Hi, everybody. Uh, we're going live. Um, sorry for the delay. Very, very good to be here. Thank you for your patience. Um, just literally came from one live stream to this one. Welcome to the Data on Kubernetes live stream number 87. Uh, very, very excited to be doing this today and very excited to be with you finally. Leonardo, we've been talking about doing this for a while. Um, it's good yeah. to have you with us here today. Uh, how are you doing? How's everything going? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, thank you for asking. Yeah, everything's everything is fine. Uh, I'm just suffering here in Brazil because here is so hot right now, and yeah. we are in the we are just in the winter, so you can imagine it. Okay, how is the weather. Yeah, how how uh, how hot is it there? Sorry, I, how, I oh, I what temperature? See. How hot is it there? Oh, uh, right now I think that's almost. 35 degrees oh, well, yeah, that is, yeah that is quite hot yeah that's hot yeah, yeah that's hot it. yeah i'll do it um also before we get started can you just tell us a little bit about yourself your background how you started working with kubernetes yeah sure well um, uh, i started as a java programmer in 1996 so <laughs> i got a few years working uh, with computer science and uh, working for many consulting firms. And then I started in 2000s as a Java architect. I got my bachelor's degree. And since then I've been working for different consulting firms, uh, mostly with uh, uh, financial institutions, uh, some uh, governmental projects. So that's it. That's good. Uh, yeah, a lot of years working with different technologies. So you, you can imagine that in 2000s, uh, I, I was working with that enterprise Java Beans. Mm -hmm. Do you know this? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and now I'm working with Kubernetes since 2014. Oh, wow. uh, 2014, 2015. I started with Kubernetes using that uh, Kubapp uh, script. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, Kubapp uh, shell script was uh, a script created by Joe Billis mm -hmm. to start uh, to, to start the Kubernetes environment. So <laughs> I believe that uh, I was one of the first guys here in Brazil trying to to run in Kubernetes environments uh, in, in, on, on private clouds environments. Wow. So, that, so that, it's, that's it's it. Not, it's not often that we hear someone say that they've worked with Kubernetes since 2014. So good for you. You have a lot of experience. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, so what are we going to be talking about today? If you want, you can start. Uh, if you want to share your screen, um, you should have yeah. a green button towards the bottom with an arrow pointing up. Okay. Uh, perfect. Let no me... worries. We're always talking about complex technology. Let me, but, let me locate yeah. this. No, no yeah. worries. Like I, we're uh, always talking about complex technologies, but few technologies can be as difficult to work with as Zoom. So don't worry about that at all. Um, when you find it, yep, just click and you should be good to go. Okay. Uh, just a moment. I'm closing some tabs. That's okay. In my Chrome. Hmm. Yep. Don't want people to see okay. your Bitcoin. That's okay. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. 
And just a reminder for folks, if you have questions, feel free to put them in the chat and we can answer them during the live stream. Okay, so let's get started. I'm going full screen, so yep. you, may, you may interrupt me if you, if you need to, okay? Okay, guys, thank you. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to talk to you right now, uh, today about Cloud Native Micro Gateway. And uh, Cloud Native Micro Gateway is, is an approach to React, it's, uh, the, the old fashioned API gateway stuff. So we're going to understand how you can take an API gateway and put uh, and fix uh, some aspects of the, the architecture so we can use it with Istio and Kubernetes, okay? So uh, about me, uh, I talked a bit, a bit about me, but uh, my name is Leonardo Silva, I'm from Brazil, and I, I started as a Java programmer in 1996, fast forwarding. I'm currently working for uh, a firm uh, called Pismo, and uh, I'm CKA. I got my CKA about three year, uh, about two years ago, and uh, I'm trying right now the CKS. So... Without further ado, let's go. Okay. So the, the agenda, yeah. So 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 the agenda is, uh, I'm going to talk uh, about the challenge, what motivated us to create this architecture. Uh, giving you the guys some background about what's in monolith API gateway. I don't know the audience if you all guys are aware of what's an API gateway. So I, I believe that's worth to mention that uh, there are different approaches to, to how we can deal with an API gateway and connections and so on. Uh, I'm going to talk uh, something about essential functions that we could consider when we are trying to choose an API gateway and deliver an architecture in cloud native environments. Uh, about the platform that we are working with. Uh, so I'm going to talk about Kong API in these two, just a, just a bit. And then the micro gateway architecture, uh, we are going to deep dive and talk about how it works and how GitOps can help us to deliver to, to, to our teams and uh, customers. Uh, since we are talking about uh, uh, data, uh, since we are in a meetup about data on Kubernetes, I think it's worth also talk about how we are dealing with the data on Kubernetes to our microservice and the key takeaways at the end, okay? So uh, what's the challenge? what motivated us to create this micro gateway architecture? So uh, this company that I'm working with, it's called Pismo. And uh, the Pismo company is responsible for creating something called backend, uh, banking uh, backend. So basically what, what we are doing is 
re uh, recreating all that uh, features that uh, digital and normal banks have uh, running on mainframes, for example. So we are creating this on cloud native environments running, for example, on AWS or Google Cloud. Since we are uh, uh, dealing with uh, this financial uh, financial uh, transactions, we have a lot of uh, a lot of challenges to deal with. For example, currently we are doing almost 4.7, 4.8 million requests per hour. So you can imagine that we have no place to to uh, to get some errors on our platform, and because of that, we 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 must offer an SLA, a higher SLA, not 99.99%, because uh, our customers cannot suffer with interruptions or incidents, because. Uh, there is a lot of, of money in, in those transactions. So we should take care of the platform. You should keep the platform up and running. We have different challenges also. For example, we have teams that are increasing. Uh, we have new newcomers to our team. We have different features. We have to create different APIs. Uh, each API has its own context, has its own uh, features involved, for example, different uh, security uh, environments, different requirements for authentication and authorization. So we, keep, we must keep up with the markets. And we also have, uh, uh, you can imagine different threats coming from hackers and people trying to steal credit card data and people trying to manipulate uh, banking accounts. So uh, you can imagine that we have <laughs> these, these challenges all at the same time. So the micro gateway uh, is an option that we can use to deal with. With this, we are going to see this in this presentation. So this looks a bit scary at the first glance, but uh, come down, let's understand how we can deal with. So what's a monolithic gateway? Uh, first of all, a gateway is, is some connection elements that's part of an ecosystem that's greater than that. So an API management is an, is a product, okay? And they, an API gateway is something that's part of the API management. So API management, you can imagine that's all related to how do I publish APIs? How do I keep them running? How do I govern them? How, how do I create policies and so on? And the API gateway is this guy, is this guy related to the data plane. So basically when an external client wants to connect to some API, for example, accounts API, 
this client is going to connect to some external elements, for example, unload balancer. There are many different interconnection elements, but I will keep sim simple right now. So the client connects to the external, external load balancer and the load balancer is connected to the API gateway. So uh, the API gateway in this monolithic approach receive, receives all connections, okay? And do all that stuff related to routing and security validation and so on. And the API gateway, even the monolithic API gateway can run on Kubernetes. This doesn't mean that it's cloud native, okay? It's just a, a Kubernetes here can be used just in a cool environment that gives you some re resilience, logging and security. But in this, in this architecture, the API gateway, you can imagine it as a big box that is receiving all connections from different customers and routing to different APIs. So we have uh, many different uh, problems with this approach. For example, it's not uh, easily scalable. Yeah. So if you if you can create more API gateways, uh, you normally you are going to ask it to your vendor if this API gateway is able to scale with Kubernetes. Not all products do that. So it's important to, to understand that being an API gateway cloud native means that we can work with these cloud native features like easy scalability and uh, monitoring and security. And one problem with this approach is, is that normally the API, uh, when some API wants to call another API, it calls back the API gateway and the API gateway has the route information and calls back if they are not uh, calls back and calls another API in the flow. So <laughs> you can imagine that this doesn't scale, scale very well, okay? Uh, uh, the, the, the essential functions of an API gateway, I just put some essential functions here, uh, but I'm not going to explain uh, each one of those. So I just selected uh, a few that I'm going to talk about to demonstrate that the, the, those essential functions uh, must exist, but not exactly just on the API gateway. If you if you take a look, if you take a look on the previous slides, you can imagine that. Uh, let me go back here. You can imagine that the API gateway is doing a lot of stuff. But if you say, if you are going to take each one of those steps, essential functions, you are going to see that you can pick one or another and, uh, and uh, modify your architecture. So Istio, for example, or Kubernetes could take care of it. For example, uh, 
route deployment. We are going to see that Kubernetes can do that for us. Uh, load balance is something that Kubernetes with Istio can do for us, and so on. So uh, the request routing that I selected here is one of the most important, most important functions that I can that I can have in, on an API gateway, because the API gateway solely exists to to do this to request routing. Okay, so the API gateway must be able to receive and request and base it on some criteria. It can delegate to another interconnection element. It can send to a microservice. It can do request transformation. It can it can filter and so on. So it's important to have an API gateway that is to configure to adapt. To adapt, to adapt your environment and create rich requesting routing schemas. Uh, pluggability is also very important. So uh, the, the API gateway uh, cannot be a monolithic uh, box that you can uh, put more and more code in each line of code that you add to your API gateway you are creating essentially more bugs to on them on, on it. So it's important to use an API gateway that you can separate different features on more testable elements, components, for example, and you are calling these plugins, okay? Uh, another important thing is observability. So you cannot operate anything if you, if you cannot, for example, understand what's going on. It's impossible to try to, to see, for example, logs from millions and millions of requests uh, one by one. You have to keep your observability updated and you have to use the uh, best tools to improve your observability. And, of, uh, on this observability, you can also create your alarms and dashboards uh, for, your, for your internal use of, or for your customers, for example. And we cannot forget something that's very, also, uh, that's very important, also the policy enforcement. So what's this policy enforcement? Policy enforcement is not less than you create mechanisms to understand who, when uh, is using your, your APIs, your environments. So we're going to see that policy, uh, policy can be applied in different stages of your architecture, on pipelines, on the runtime. So it's very important. Uh, it's very important to create this enforcement, so you can uh, create, for example, policies related to PCI environments. You can create policies related to financial compliances and so on. So uh, about the platform, if you are talking about cloud native, uh, we have uh, many options, but 
we choose to use these three main components in our platform. So uh, Kubernetes, <laughs> I hope that's all, all of you guys know it, but uh, Mapcong and very good choice. Very good choice. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kubernetes, there is no need to introduce, to, to introduce it. But Kong, uh, Kong is worth to mention that uh, it's an API gateway, open source API gateway implementation. It's already in, the, in that uh, CNCF uh, graph that's has a lot of technologies. I don't remember the name of it, but if you go to the CNCF page, you are going to see that uh, a page that contains lots of components and Kong is there. So Kong is an open source, is very flexible, highly configurable, uh, very, very fast, small footprints, easy to, to create stuff on it, easy to create custom plugins, uh, if you are not comfort, comfortable uh, in create something, you can buy it. You can buy an uh, enterprise license of it. So, and Istio, and I'm going to talk about Istio uh, a little later. So, I, I talk about Kong, uh, Kong, but Kong is not a, a just for Kubernetes. You can use Kong on-prem, you can use Kong out, uh, out of, outside of Kubernetes, you can use it just with Docker, you can choose your model to run it. But uh, it offers something that's very important, it's very important to us, that's this small footprint. So when we boot, uh, we, we do a boot of a pod running Kong, it's just a couple of seconds uh, and Kong is up and running. And uh, it is very easy to scale because we are using um, a mode. Let me, let me say a mode is just like how you configure the Kong. So we are, you, we are using uh, a stateless, uh, I don't know if I can say stateless, but it has a state, but it's not, uh, the Kong is not uh, connected to an external database, okay? So the database is running inside the Kong and there's no need to keep state between Kong instances. So you can create 10 pods, uh, dozens of pods running Kong and then work it dependently, okay? And Kong also has this gRPC routing and I work with encrypted credentials and uh, it's very interesting. Uh, other thing that's worth to mention is that I can configure uh, the routes inside Kong using just plain ingress resource. So if I, I'm going to show you this, but ingress resource is, is that Kubernetes resource that you can define uh, routes, routes uh, for HTTP endpoints. I'm going to show an example uh, in a few minutes, okay? Uh, with Istio, so Istio is another piece of the puzzle. And why are we using Istio? Istio offers uh, many, many 
fantastic uh, features. For example, with Istio, we can uh, deal better with how we connect microservices. So we use Istio to understand how and microservices is calling other microservices, how the flow is, is uh, how the data is flowing between them. We use Istio to create, for example, policies. We use Istio to create the work better with load balancing. And we use Istio to, to our observability. We can create the metrics from Istio and it's, it's fantastic. So without issue, we are going to have uh, many, many problems. For example, we are going to deal, to deal with a canary release manually. So issue is helping us to do more deployments with more security and uh, is giving uh, so much performance to our teams and engineering and SRE teams. So uh, if you don't know Istio, get to know it because it's worth it. Okay, so uh, Istio and Kong and Kubernetes are our, envir are, are our environment. And uh, what's the micro gateway after all? So, Kong is a gateway, okay, but micro gateway is an architecture. So micro gateway is an approach when I'm, I'm stopping to work with that old monolith way of thinking and I'm preparing to break apart, to break apart uh, routes and configurations and keep uh, the gateway uh very very near of the services endpoints so you can imagine a micro gateway as something as an exclusive gateway for some api for example so instead of keeping that monolith i'm creating many instances of apis micro gateways so i can take those micro gateways and do whatever i want to to solve. Basically, I'm going to show you this in a few moments. So micro gateway is a lightweight approach to deal with API gateway stuff. So let's deep dive in and understand how, understand how this micro gateway works. So micro gateway uh, is very, uh, the, the, this draw looks similar to the previous one but has some important things here. For example, the client is the same, the external load balancer and other connection stuff is the same, the Kubernetes the same, but here we have uh, the ingress gateway. So I have this ingress gateway component. This is part of the issue. And this guy is doing the first connection, uh, the, the first, elements of connection. So all connections are flowing from our load balancer to our ingress gateway. And the ingress gateway is doing the first, uh, is handling 
is the first element to handle this for us. And this has some, some, some advantages of putting the Kong. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this, this later. So the ingress gateway, this is two elements is receiving the requests and based on some criteria is redirecting the request to another micro gateway. Micro gateway here is, is, a, Kong, is, is a Kong instance and the Kong is receiving this request, is doing some manipulation and redirecting to the API. Um, there's something important here because we are using Istio and Kubernetes, there is no need to an API call back the micro gateway to pass the flow to another API or microservice. Each different APIs can talk each other. And I'm not losing, I, I'm losing nothing because Istio is, is taking care of if there are some permissions to do that and uh, how it's working and policies and so on. So the micro gateway here is just uh, working basically with north-south uh, north -south requests and the east-west is occurring between those microservices, okay? So uh, the ingress gateway here is doing something important to us, uh, that's TLS termination. So any client, any external client can securely call our load balancer, for example, but the TLS termination is handled by our ingress gateway. We can also configure the ingress gateway to, to do TLS termination on the micro gateway. So there are many different options. Uh, the contest routing is important because uh, the ingress gateway must be keep simple, uh, must be keep simple to deal only with great contests. So imagine that your API has a path, for example, host slash contest slash the name of microservice. And the ingress gateway is dealing with this first contest filtering, okay? Rate limits, we also can use the ingress gateway to do some rate limiting and uh, some policies that you can, for example, create uh, inside the ingress gateway. For example, you can, we can validate JWT tokens on ingress gateway. We can validate TLS connections on ingress gateway. We do not need to pass this to the micro gateway to do that. So, there are a lot of options here in the ingress gateway. If you if you want to know more about the ingress gateway, uh, there are there are plenty of documentation on Istio websites. And the micro gateway here, the Kong, uh, is doing the load balancing using issue, the issue information, but we can we can load balancer even better. We can create specific routing. We can, for example, uh, by examining some header or some payload field, you can, for example, do better balancing between services, okay? And the most important is that we are using our micro gateway to do some 
uh, authentication and authorization uh, validations. So we can configure authentication pair API if you want to. If you, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of different uh, RFCs related to OpenID Connect and you know, Auth2, but we can have different authentication methods and we can configure uh, those different methods for different micro gateways or for different routes if you if we want we we want to so uh, deep diving even more uh, as i said before the north, north south traffic is coming from the outside into in issue ingress gateway and uh, the the issue ingress gateway has this resource called gateway that we use to configure basically host names that we are going to, to process inside this ingress gateway, okay? And uh, we have also some elements. Uh, for example, the Kong proxy is the service that is receiving uh, the, the requests coming from the issue ingress gateway. And we also have the virtual service. The virtual service is a configuration that binds some gateway to our services. So uh, you can see this icon here, that's a, a button in. Uh, those are Istio elements and the Kong proxy is just a Kubernetes components deployment. But if we are using Kubernetes, we can also use the Kong ingress controller to configure our routing. So instead of uh, offering different approaches to configure routing, for example, specific endpoints and scripts and so on, we can just create simple ingress resources and our route is there, okay? So what's a virtual services? I added this example so you guys can have an, uh, at least uh, something to, to remember how this, how this is going to work. For example, in this virtual service here, we have uh, the name is Kong virtual service. You can notice that we have a namespace, for example, accounts. And this virtual service is receiving all requests coming from the accounts context that I'm calling that, that I'm showing here is the context filtering and is taking all those requests and sending them to the Kong service destination route. So the Kong service is just like here. Okay. Uh, uh, going back to the to the to this uh, to the, this architecture here. We have also the routing configuration that I'm going to show an example in a few minutes. And the routing configuration is calling, is receiving that those requests coming from that context and sends them to the specific APIs. And the APIs are, are uh, the APIs are basically pods running on Kubernetes. And we have in, in on number six here, the authentication and authorization configuration. So we are also 
adding this stuff related to security to our routing. Uh, there is something interesting here. We have the blue boxes. The blue boxes are the, the ones maintained by uh, platform teams, okay? SRE platform and so on. And the yellow boxes are maintained by, by engineering teams. So you, we are also using this, this architecture to separate concerns and separate responsibilities. So the platform team is responsible for some more structure, uh, structural things and engineering teams is, has focus on routing and uh, authentication configuration. So an example of route configuration here. Uh, you can see that we have this ingress gateway half. The ingress gateway half is the name of the micro gateway. This is very important because if we are going to run different API gateways, different micro gateways, we can, each one of, of those gateways necessarily has to to, has to be named differently. So if I have in a micro gateway called a accounts gateway, okay, this can be used by some accounting contexts. If I have another different ingress, a different instance of, uh, of micro gateway, not instance, but different deployments of micro gateway, I can, I can give to, to a different name, and I can differentiate uh, the, those connections, guys, okay? You can see that I can configure here the plugins. So uh, in the path, I have the subcontext filtering. So if I'm using the ingress gateway to do more, context filtering, I can use the route configuration, this ingress resource here to be more granular. I can differentiate better. I can send to different microservices backend definitions and so on. Remember that previously I was redirecting the, the connection to Kong. Now I'm calling the microservice name, okay? Uh, and we we cannot uh, we cannot forget to add our policy enforcement here. So issue offers uh, many features, many resources related to the to the policy authentication policy and uh, peer configuration and so on. And you can you can use that, but we can also create our our own uh, policy enforcement, for example, using open policy agents, you can create admission controllers to verify your routes, to see if those routes has the correct plugins. You can create your, uh, for example, Kubernetes operators to verify if all plugins are configured and so on. So there are, inside this cloud native environment, we have different ways to create this enforcement. 
we are going to use the open policy agents to create our points of policy decision. And maybe in the future, I have more, uh, more about this to tell you guys. So let's go. So if we are working on cloud native environments, we are not supposed to forget about the security, okay? We are dealing with credit card numbers, bank accounts in, our, in my context, but uh, we can create mechanisms, mechanisms to give more usability to our, to our engineering teams to maintain those API gateways, okay? You can create better tools to our platform teams to create and maintain and operate the micro gateway instances. So how, how do we deal with that? Uh, we can see here that we have different uh, roles the platform teams, as I mentioned before, and the engineering teams. But uh, basically, this, this, this pipeline here is related to different aspects of the API, micro gateway API lifecycle. So for example, the platform teams, when, when they need to, for example, change the version of the Kong, they open a, a they open an APR to the API Gateway Core, for example. This will trigger the CI pipeline, and we are going to release a new version of Kong. We are not releasing new routes. We are releasing, for example, new new plugins and new new policies and so on. Okay, and this is done using the GitOps uh, the GitOps practices. So we commit to the Git, for example, and the pipeline executes and process and uh, do a release. And when this release is done, the Argo CD, the, uh, the Argo is a product from, from, from the, the Argo guys. I, I don't know the name of the firm that create Argo. No, I, I forgot, but okay. The Argo CD uh, is configured to see this release on Git and it applies using the Argo rollouts to the many environments that we have here, okay? So here we are deploying a new Kong version, a new micro gateway version. But when the engineering teams want to create new routes, or configure new plugins is different, a little different. So the engineering teams are going to open the PR the same way, but now they are manipulating the routes and plugin configurations. So and and pipeline is going to be executed, and a new release is going to be generated, and the Argo CD is taking those release artifacts and applying on different uh, environments in different for different teams, okay? And we can also create our policy enforcement here. So 
what kind of policy we can create. We can do validation, YAMLs validation. We can test if our plugins are working. So in each one of those pipelines, we are really executing the micro gateway version and uh, executing, and we are also executing requests to see if this is working perfectly, okay? And uh, yeah, you can imagine many things to add to add here. So uh, in including security validations, okay? Yeah, in, in fact, we are executing also some security stuff here to validate if the if the routes make sense, if the permissions are going to work. Okay. So uh, the micro gateway should be treated as a product. What does this mean? In fact, uh, the micro gateway is something that's maintained by the platform teams, okay? Because the platform teams is, is the one, the platform team is the one responsible for doing all the release management. So we are very, uh, in, uh, we, we are very, we are responsible for, for example, uh, dealing with bug fixes, testing plugins compatibility, creating new plugs, doing security checks and so on. Okay. And uh, we should also, if you are using Kong, you should also uh, take care of the plugins. If you are using open source plugins, you can check if the, the plugin it has some, some bug, if you, some vulnerability and so on. We are also using Kongpongo. Kongpongo is a tool that we can test different plugins. It's basically, this tool is basically used to test plugins. So we, for example, you can pick a specific uh, conversion, for example, 2.0, and test all the plugins against that version. So very useful. It's very useful. And we are we are also doing each we test using K3D on our pipelines. So uh, the our internal customers are the engineering teams in this case. So we are, when some team, some engineering team wants some new functionality related to Kong, uh, it's demanding to us, to the platform team, and the platform team is in charge of doing that, doing this, all that stuff, okay? Uh, so uh, here, one of the pros and cons of micro gateways that I selected. So pros, we can, we can see DevX, DevSecOps friendly. So uh, all these micro gateways is not only to deal with that multitude of requests, but also to offer to our engineering teams better UX, okay? So if you, if you are, willing to help your engineering teams to improve their performance, you really want to invest on better tools and micro gateway can be considered as a tool 
maintained by the team and the engineering teams and the platform teams, okay? So the, the pros also, also flexibility is very flexible and uh, very scalable, but uh, not but, and uh, when we are using micro gateways, we are also shortening blast radius. What does this mean? This means that if, for example, an engineering team uh, uh, creates some uh, invalid configuration, okay, uh, the gateways team is going to suffer suffer something, but not all the gateways. Okay, so we are short, we are we're dealing better with incidents. And uh, the, the micro gateways can be highly customizable and flexible, but we have also the problems. For example, it's, it's very difficult to create governance and policies to these environments. You can use uh, many tools and frameworks and so on to, to deal with this. Uh, the control plane uh, can have an increasing complexity. So instead of having an, an uh, only one API gateway receive, receiving all requests, you have to deal with different connection elements. We have data flowing from issue passing to your microservices and back to the issue and so on. So this can be a little difficult to understand if, if you have, if you don't have the, uh, the, the, the monitoring tools working accordingly. And the platform team can also become a, a bottleneck. So if, he, if he, the engineering teams are not willing to help the platform teams on that, uh, on the maintaining the gateway, the platform team can be, can be, can become a bottleneck because the platform teams will be, will be involved in, in all incidents and monitoring and configuration. So this can, you have to put some, uh, some policies but some cultural aspects when you are creating these micro gateways uh, architecture, okay? So let's see, uh, let's talk a little about, a little bit about the data on Kubernetes and see how we are dealing with this. So data on Kubernetes. So uh, uh, my first point here is that uh, not all your teams are data specialists. You, you really need to understand what's, what's your team, what is, how your engineering team works, how your features are delivered, okay? And uh, if you understand this, you are going to know the, the team's capabilities. So you are able to decide Am I able to create my own database on Kubernetes or am I able to maintain 
my, for example, my NoS, NoSQL database running on-prem. Okay, this is very important. And if you know your team capabilities, you are able to understand what kind of service you are, you are going to, to use. In our case, we are experimenting the CockroachDB. Uh, we did some experiments on on-prem, on our cloud environments, and we also experiencing some performance gains using the the hosted CockroachDB. So the CockroachDB is already running on Kubernetes, but is maintained by some uh, provider. Okay. Basically, we are using managed, managed services because the, the cloud providers are in charge of uh, doing these SLA guarantees. Okay, they are in charge of the scalability, scalability issues. And uh, basically the managed service that we are using right now are the DynamoDB, Aurora from AWS and Spanner from Google, okay? Uh, we cannot forget that even if, if we are dealing with different NoSQL or OSQL database, databases, we should always validate uh, our data architecture. So what's the data architecture? Basically, uh, this architecture, yeah, uh, this architecture, it's going to answer how my data is going to be persisted, maintained, evaluated, and so on. So you should validate to understand if you are going to acquire or build, and if your team is able to to create to to build something, you you are going to need more specialists, for example, uh, data architects and people uh, we focus on this, this thing here. And we are, we are using also a product called, called uh, Proxy SQL. We have, uh, we have a, a blog about this. Basically, Proxy SQL is, uh, is a, you can imagine that's a service exactly that receives these uh, SQL requests and uh, do some stuff with them, for example, multiplexing and, uh, and uh, multiplexing. Uh, I know there's something related to manipulating the queries. So the queries are optimized on the fly and, and so on. So very interesting. Uh, the, this blog here. So uh, we're going to, to the end here. So the key takeaways that I would like to let with you guys is that we need to understand your challenges and threats. And uh, you, you, you should plan the better uh, API strategy to, to your to, to attend your uh, and it's, I presented here the micro gateway, but maybe the monolith 
is a better approach if you for example don't 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 use the kubernetes i hope you are using kubernetes but if you don't use kubernetes maybe you are using ec2 the api gateway can become uh, a problem the micro gateway approach can become a problem okay so plan before you you implement it yeah, uh, you need to understand your stack. When I when I when when I'm seeing here, understand is that do not put, for example, issue on production without really understand what's going on. Okay, do not use Kubernetes if you are not aware of of how Kubernetes uses uh, works. In fact and uses all the resources, for example, how Kubernetes works, disks and, uh, and uh, network and uh, connected to like uh, load, bar load balancers and so on. <clears throat> you, have to, you have to work on good UX to, to your engineering teams, okay? This means tooling. This means investing in good documentation, support, and so supports and so on. And don't forget to embrace the policies and governance. So create mechanisms that enables you to control what it's going, what's what's running on your environments, how things are going to be configured on your pipelines, on your Kubernetes, on your issue, and so on. And if you understand, and if you are okay with the micro gateway, you are able to kill all the aliens. And that's it. Slow. Wow, Leonardo, you covered a lot of material in one hour. And it's it's funny yeah. that we started out. It's funny that we started out by you explaining that you've been working with Kubernetes from two, you know, starting from 2014 to 2015. And we've, you know, this is our live stream number 87. And I don't think I've ever had a talk where we've got so much information in one hour, but at the same time, in a really easy to understand way. And I always say that because you know I'm not a super experienced Kubernetes practitioner, um, but very very well explained there. And also, it's nice too that it's not. It's not that you're just trying to create hype around a technology of saying these are the ones that worked. I really liked what you mentioned as well too. And could you maybe talk a little bit more about saying really know your stack? For you, what, what does it mean is saying like, what does it take? Uh, what are the mistakes that people are making when it comes to really knowing their stack? And at what point would you say that, okay, like you really get it rather than, oh, I saw this article on Hacker News about this technology, let's start using it. How do you how do you do uh, that yeah. in a good way? Yeah, yeah, good good action. Uh, good question. Uh, well, uh, when I when I started to use Kubernetes, you know, uh, it was 2014, and <laughs> Kubernetes offered me a lot of resources. In 2014, I believe that it's already existed the serves deployments maybe ingress and uh, i don't remember all but a lot okay but if you take a look for example only in kubernetes today 
man, we are going to see dozens of different capabilities and features and configurations and so on. So when I mean, what I mean when I said you must understand is that you don't need to, to all of your team to become uh, Kubernetes engineers, okay? Yeah. But the team in charge of dealing on a daily basis with Kubernetes should become uh, experts. Just because when we are in full production environments receiving uh, millions of requests, there is no time to, to guessing, okay? You, 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 must, uh, you, you must see the problem and uh, enumerate very fast uh, possibilities to deal with that and apply the fixes if it's the case or call your vendor and so on. So we are talking just about Kubernetes, but if you are adding issue on Kubernetes and then you already have, for example, the cloud environments. So you can imagine that's a lot of information and a lot of things happening under the cover, okay? So th there is no easy way to deal with to, to deal with Kubernetes, you really need to become a specialist. And if you are willing to become specialists, so you are able to put Kubernetes on production. That's my point, okay? Yeah. And this is applied to Istio, to Kubernetes, to Kong, or whatever technology you are using to do your production environment. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a great answer. And I think that's what you touched on is that it's not that everyone needs to become an expert, but that a, sm uh, a very focused group of people probably do. And, and obviously, you know, that takes time, it takes practice, but like you said, you don't want to be in a situation where you're guessing with your fingers crossed, you know, praying to God yeah, that things are yeah. gonna work out. That's, uh, for very exceptional cases, that strategy is, is all right, but that shouldn't <laughs> be, you know, the normal approach. So anyway, that's a very, very yeah, good yeah. answer. Um, we had some yeah. great feedback uh, in the chat. You have a lot of fans. People really like you. Um, so just so you know, there's been a, a lot of really nice comments here on yours. Yeah, it's nothing but love because you explain things <laughs> in such a nice way. And it's like I said, it just makes it very, very easy to understand for someone who doesn't have experience, you know, dealing with these kind of APIs, working with technologies like Kong and Istio. It makes it in a way that it's not overwhelming as some things with Kubernetes can be. So I just want to thank you for, for doing that. Definitely check out Leonardo on, on LinkedIn. We need to get you in our Slack as well, too, because I think you could help a lot of people with, with the things you're working on. Very yeah. interesting to see how you are working with data on Kubernetes. Definitely going to check out that blog post as well that you shared. Um, so thank you yeah. very much for your time today, Leonardo. And I hope we can have you back soon for a, a session in English. Or maybe we could do a session in Portuguese. That could be cool too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Por Portuguese. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do that. We can do yeah, that. Yeah, my my Eng my English is a work in progress. No, your but... English is fantastic. It's better than mine, and it's very relaxing to listen to. So that's not that's not the thing. I just think it's fun to do things in different languages. But but in but anytime, uh, Mr. Farrell, when you want to me to talk about some technology. 
just call me. I will. Okay. I will. Don't worry. I definitely will. So yeah, what, like yeah. I said, we're still getting comments on YouTube. <laughs> like I said, you got some serious fans out there. So anyway, I think this is the perfect excuse to think about our next live stream that we can do. Maybe we can take a deeper dive on the approach and how you started working with data on Kubernetes, or we can think about different topics. Um, but anyway, okay. thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. And we'll be talking to you soon. Okay. Muito obrigado. Yeah. Thank you very much. All thank right. Bye -bye. Cheers.